Hello, you wonderful woman. Welcome to the Love is Coming podcast. I'm your host, Persia Lawson, one of the UK's most successful love coaches, according to the Times Magazine, and author of the book, Love is Coming. It's my mission through this podcast to help single women, specifically female leaders, get powerful, soul-expanding relationships that revolutionize your growth, impact, and happiness during your time on planet Earth. Let's get straight to it. Hey everyone, welcome back to the Lovers Coming podcast. I am very excited to have here today Sarah O'Connor. Sarah O'Connor is a love and empowerment coach who helps bold women who are unlucky in love become optimistic and empowered AF and make manifesting dreamy love inevitable. So you're going to want to stick around for this one, especially because Sarah is particularly special to me. She was in my first ever round of my signature program, Love for Leaders. And bloody hell did we go on a journey together. Hey, Sarah. Oh my God. It was quite the journey. I know that that's like a really overused word, but it's always the only way to describe it. It's the only way, exactly. And I'm just trying to remember when it was. It was was like autumn 2019, so it was just before COVID. It was, yeah. We started, I remember watching a masterclass of yours the night before, and then you had calls available the following morning and I was like I'm just gonna get on one of these I'm not gonna buy anything though like I'm not actually gonna get on it and then literally I was like yeah okay yeah yeah okay this is what I need and I didn't it wasn't like a it was like a knowing of like I don't know why I need this and on the call you'd said to me I feel like oh no you said I know that people who get the best results with me have been single for about a year because they've seen all four seasons. Like it's important for them to sort of know themselves through different, like through the summer and through Christmas and all those sorts of things. And I was like, oh yeah, well, it's been about a year. And I was like, oh yeah, okay. oh, the date. And it was literally the day, a year later after I'd thrown my my ex now fiance out. And I was like, oh, that's a weird like little co- coincidence. And you went, hmm. You should pay attention to those. That's a really nice synchronicity. And I was like, okay. <laughs> Didn't even know what that wow. word was. <laughs> wow. But, but what, what that sign? Yeah, well, on that, note, on that note, let's let's just go back because right now, you know, you are today in an amazing, healthy relationship with a gorgeous Spanish man, and we're gonna come back to where you are today. But I think it's really important to just paint a bit of a picture of where you were at your love love life back in late summer 2019 when you came to work with me. Mm-hmm. Where were you at? What was going on for you? So I had, the previous year, I had been going through hell with my fiancé. He had been stealing from me. He had a secret drug habit, which had resulted in him not showing up for me, not coming home, turning his phone off, and me just increasingly trying to hold it all together, all whilst looking like I was having a great great time because we were planning the wedding. So everyone was just, and we hadn't been that long engaged. So so many people were like, oh my God, like, is you know, how excited are you? And I was like, oh my God want to die like I li- I just it was awful like trying to pretend everything was okay so when I broke up with him I got a lot of um congratulations on kind of like being brave and like doing the thing and then as I went out into like skipped off skipped off out into the dating world I realized over, over a compounded effect of 
not knowing who on earth I was and not knowing particularly who I was when I was dating. And I went through a, a lot of dating app um, addiction, I think. Like it was, I would I would go through phases of, well, it's just a numbers game. All I've got to do is like meet someone that isn't like as terrible as him um, and trying to just like meet that person. All also simultaneously realizing that I've sort of been had here. Like I have ticked all of the boxes I'm supposed to tick and all of the societal like medals that you're meant to win. And I, after he'd left and I'd kind of got through the initial like, oh God, what, what am I doing? I didn't miss him. Mm. And I remember thinking, how on earth was I about to, if he'd just been like a nice guy, how would I have, how, how could I have been the girl that ultimately was going to settle for a guy that she just didn't really have that much in common with, didn't love that much, like if I'm being really brutally honest. And like, thank God he was an arsehole. But I was so, <laughs> like literally, thank God. I've never been more like like grateful for the for like how it turned out in terms of that relationship because if I'd ended up with him, I would now be married with children, I think, and to a man that I now, like, I just don't, like, it's funny because I talk about him in the sense of, like, the work that I do and how I got here, but I don't think about him ever in, like, a like a longing way, <laughs> ever. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and what I had, so I, I'd kind of had this epiphany of, what well, all cards are off, like all bets are off now. Like if that if if that's what society's told me what is going to make me happy, and I've and I've like got the house and I've got the ring on my finger and I'm planning the wedding, and they've left and I've realised that I was just going through the motions. All bets are fucking off. Like I am never ever doing anything again where I think that's what I should be doing because society's told me that that's what's going to make me happy. Because clearly that isn't going to work. That hasn't worked. So then I started dating kind of with that like epiphany and I kept thinking like there's something more going on here. I'm missing something. Something is missing. I'm missing something. And and now I know it was like my intuition, my soul being like the voice that I would hear would just be this really calm, quiet, keep pulling on that thread. Don't ignore that. Keep Keep listening to that. So whilst I was in listening to podcasts and going to the self-love summit, which is where I saw you, um, and actually I shouldn't have been at the self-love summit either. That was another intuitive call that made absolutely no sense. I was supposed to be doing dance exams that I'd been training for for six months. And instead I was at a self-love summit and missing my dance exams. Um, but there was just, I said to my friend, I was like, yeah, I have to go. I was like, I don't really know why. I just know. And I think I knew that I was going to be surrounded by people that were asking questions of kind of like themselves and, and really like diving into like, what am I doing here? There's something deeper here. So I was following that nudge all the while, sleeping my way around through dating apps, going on awful dates, pretending that it wasn't hurting me because I've got a very, very natural skill of making terrible situations into hilarious stories. So I really enjoyed being like the funny friend with all the funny dating stories. And that was really part of my identity. And I didn't, I didn't know that that was a performance. I just knew that that was who I was. That's just, that's just who I am. Um, and I'd, I, there was a few things that had kind of come to a head that had got me to get on a masterclass with you and I and I 
one of them was I had been molding myself into various versions of myself trying to get a guy to fancy me um and it hadn't really worked and he'd said oh I'm quite busy over the summer but we'll pick it up in September and set like I remember messaging him and it just, I, I can't, you know, you just kind of know, like, I think if I never messaged you again, I'm never going to hear from you again. And there was, I'd had enough bad experiences at this point where I was like, I can't do this anymore. Like, I was like, okay, I'm going to make a promise to myself now that you're not going to message him again. And if he reaches out, great. But I sort of knew that he wouldn't. And that made me really sad. And I'd also finished something with a guy where we'd sort of dated, it'd become casual. And then he wasn't giving me what I wanted. And I, I remember really trying to make it work and, and him saying, I, you know, I can't give you what you want. And it was the first time I ever just went, okay, then, (laughs) as opposed to trying to convince him that he, and myself that it didn't matter. It doesn't matter. I'm really happy to go with flow. I'm really happy with casual. Like I had to get really honest. And I was like, I was like, oh, I was like, well, whatever has been what I have been doing hasn't worked so let me get on this masterclass with Persia and see if that can can help and then I was like I've got a feeling that whatever I need to figure out isn't figure outable by myself like I've just got a feeling that there's something missing and the thing that's missing I've been trying for a year and it just it just isn't clicking but I did genuinely believe that I was about 80% of the way there (laughs) which which I find hilarious and did you discover (laughs) that to be true no (laughs) I was about I was about eight (laughs) percent I think I when I talk about how like the difference like the like the program everything about what I went through during that time it cracked me wide open like and and I think uh, a phrase that I I used with somebody the other day I was like I when I focused on really healing my love life I was transformed into somebody I didn't recognise, but I felt more me than I'd ever been. Oh my God, it's got shivers. I so relate to that. Mm. Oh my God. This was what our sessions were like. We would be <laughs> laughing so much. I was like, I'm probably not the most professional thing. I mean, Sarah's just seen me try to handle technology and I was probably used to it just all over the place. But we'd be yeah. laughing so much because actually there's so much in common. And the thing that I really resonated with was like being the butt of the joke, but 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 being in control of it and the narrative and playing the fool. I really related to that. But then we'd be laughing one minute and then crying the next, which I'm doing yeah. right now. You know? I could cry now. Yeah. I always, and I said to, I said to my, my partner, I was like, oh, I was like, I don't feel very emotional today, but I'm definitely going to cry. So I always cry when I'm with Persia. Yeah. <laughs> always. <laughs> always. <laughs> so you've touched on a few things there, but are there any other things that, you know, you really struggled with in your love life? Or what are the, what were the presenting problems as you saw them maybe before you came to work with me? And what was it that you realised was the actual problem or problems? So the presenting problem was, I didn't fancy the nice ones. Um, I had a real deep-rooted fear that and I had tried to date, like the fiance that I had, you know, decided to get engaged to was uh, evidence of believing it was either nice and just kind of okay, like, and they're nice to me and they're good to me and it just sort of feels fine. Or it felt really exciting and passionate, but it was toxic. Mm-hmm. 
And I was really worried that something was fundamentally wrong with me. Like, the, the, I, I think when, when I would think about it, I would outwardly be like, I know I've got all these things like going for me, but I think maybe I'm like too much. Like there's too, like, I'm too, you know, and people would say this, they'd be like, oh, you're too picky or you're too like successful. Or I was like, you know, about to start renovating a house. And I remember thinking like, oh my God, like how intimidating is this going to be? Like, so that, that was kind of what I was telling myself. The, the problems weren't attracting somebody I had no problem getting a guy to fancy me and want me sexually, but I didn't know how to get someone to value me. So I knew how to get someone to desire me. That was not a problem. I led with it. If in doubt, lead with my sex appeal, lead with the fact that I'm naturally flirty, I can make people laugh. That was something I led with. I had no idea what to do or how to behave when I wanted but I just wanted to like be myself. Like I, di I didn't know what being myself meant. And I would be downloading, you know, scripts on what to text to get the guy to fancy you. And oh my God, could I, could I, oh God, those scripts. I hate them. Like if girls, if you have them, throw them away. Throw them the fuck away because they will not do anything for you. They will leave you like they left me anxiety ridden, wondering if I'd done it right, because it wasn't attached to anything. Mm. You know, it wasn't, it wasn't coming. Like I understand the premise of them because it's meant to give the insinuation that you have this like deep rooted self-worth. Mm. But actually when you're saying it because you want to present it, the, the cruel irony of that is that you're then basing your self-worth on whether it works and the person picks you. Mm -hmm. It's got absolutely nothing to do mm. with the fact that you've actually valued yourself and you mean it. Mm. You're saying it to trick somebody to get them to pick you and then you'll feel worthy. Yeah. Yeah. And so so I was tying myself in knots. I, I would go on it like the, the guy that I'd put on a, on a pedestal. I mean, I even called him imaginary James. I mean, because I was like, well, he's just, he's just so perfect. He's basically been plucked out of my imagination. Oh my good Lord. <laughs> Talk about, you know, a recipe for making me incredibly anxious about kind of trying to go on a date with him. But I would stalk his socials. God, imagine if you ever heard this. <laughs> uh, but I would stalk his socials, look at what his ex-girlfriend looked like, what parts of them were in parallel to what I was like. Was that a good thing? Was it a bad thing? What should I, what should I wear? Um, how should I present myself to be most interesting? How do how do I get to how do I communicate that I'm valued, like that I'm like you know someone he should value, not just want sexually? How do I m merge those two things? Oh, I was an absolute. I was exhausted. Mm. I was absolutely exhausted. I was exhausted and. The reason I was exhausted was because I didn't know who the fuck I was. Mm. I had absolutely no idea. The reason I couldn't be myself was because myself was was completely masked in who I was trying to be. Yeah. And, <sighs> and it, you know, it's like who I was trying, who I believed was lovable mm. because I, the person that I was concealing, the truth was I didn't really believe she was very lovable. Mm -hmm. And I, I would never have admitted that at the time. Like, that's something you get with hindsight. Yeah. But the way, like, the litmus test for, for you knowing if that is what you're doing is are you trying to perform for somebody or are you genuinely expressing who you are? Because if, and if you don't know who you are, then you aren't. Like, and if you get really, really nervous and in your head and worried about them leaving you and choosing you and picking you, what you've got is some unhealed wounds 
that need your love. They like they need to. But what's is it a Rumi quote? It's like find the wound and kiss it from the root up because that's the part of you that needs the attention, and that's the part of you that needs to know it's okay for her to come out mm. and 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 to give her the the love and the healing and the space that she needs so that the parts of you that have been developed to protect that part of you can be shed. Mm. They're the things that get to drop away. And that's what I mean about I was completely different when I came out of the experience, but I was more me than I'd ever been. It was because I'd finally started to allow myself to, to feel worthy of that it was safe to be all of me. It was safe to have be so multifaceted and contradicting and it was possible to be valued and desired or but but uh, you know a huge part of that came from being bullied mm. like me my and bullied incessantly for a number of years where this protective layer that I had was necessary where, whilst I was going through that but because it was there for so long it just became part of like who I was and I was always on the lookout to make sure that no one saw like a chink in my arm and no one was going to see any kind of um, vulnerability in me, anything that might be exploited to them for people to laugh at me. And that was what was really important for me. Like I got really funny. Mm. Like, and I remember vividly saying to you, Persia, like, I'm so scared to let this part of me go, Persia, because I'm funny about men. What the fuck am I going to do? Like, I, this is who I am. Like, how do I let that go? And you're like, Sarah, you're funny. You'll be funny about something else. <laughs> I was just like, okay, I, I guess I'll trust you then. Like, and just having to be like, it's like, and just sort of coaxing yourself into like, it's safe to let that part of you, part of you fall away. Mm. Like it's, it's safe to let that crumble and, and for your authentic <laughs> self to come out. And it's the hardest thing because it's so vulnerable. <sighs> You've actually, I, I was about to ask you a question, but I'm like, you've just answered it so perfectly there that I don't need to ask you it. You're so on the ball. Bloody love it. So, right, we're going to go to a different end of the spectrum now. Sorry, I'm making all sorts of clanking with my jewellery. What's the best thing about your relationship today? So, three words that I like to, that always come to mind when I think about my relationship and they feel like just, oh, like, you know, you just like, I could just like lick it. Like, it's so, it's just delicious, right? The three like things that I didn't know that could be, could exist all at once and they are safe, like the supportive nature of it. Like, it feels completely safe. Playful. Mm. So that was always so important to me because I'm such a flirt. Like, it was so important to me that there was, like, playfulness there um, and still is. We're nearly three years in. We flirt every day, every single day. Um, and expansive. And I didn't really know that expansive was a thing or important or, like, something that I craved, but... It feels like it's something that's going to grow and it feels like it has the potential to grow with who we both become, mm. wherever that takes us. Like, and, and I think as well, like with the work that I do, you 
probably know as well, you know, Persia, being a business owner, being and and then in a coaching industry, a lot of people don't get it. And you have obviously the you've got a lot of people around you that would be like, you're not giving that up yet, like what you're doing. And also the potential like the, the the potential exposure visibility that that might bring you as an individual or as a business owner, depending on, on where it takes you, and just knowing that he will just be just just always supportive, just say yeah, cool, perfect, mm. amazing. Like he doesn't really get it, but he loves it. Like he really he like he really is behind it because he knows it's my soul's work. Mm-hmm. Like he knows it's my like life's mission. Mm. So those are like the three words I would use to describe it. Yeah, you're like literally psychic because you're you're going on to the next question, which is like an unexpected <laughs> question before I'm even there. So that's amazing. But before we get to that next question, which we already touched on, just give us a little bit of like, how did you meet? Like, what like what was the like after we finished working together? I can't remember how long it was that mm. he came in, but what was a bit of that journey to and like how different was it being with him after doing the work or like you know the first early dating, etc. Yeah, so the journey to him was we stopped working together in just as it was about to hit COVID. Mm. So we started, we, I think... Our what a shame, I would like have really loved February. to have been working with you during COVID. <laughs> <laughs> I know, it's like February 2020. Yeah. Um, and then we met in the December 2020. Mm-hmm. So it was, yeah, about... 10, 10 months from our last call, I didn't start dating straight away. I, I remember our last call and me feeling quite nervous. And I remember thinking, because obviously you learn so much and you've implemented, you implement part of it, but there's always more to do. You know, none of this works unless you stick to it, you know, unless you kind of like really take the lessons that you've learned and be like, okay, these are my new boundaries. This is how I'm going to behave. This is how I'm going to show up. This is what I'm going to not tolerate anymore. And just keep doing it over and over mm. and over. Um, and holding the faith of like, but it's going to happen. Yeah, Like that's, it's really, it, you know, and, and it's up and down. Like there's days where you're just like, oh my God, this is never going to happen. But it's catching the thought loop and being like, okay, no, it's fine. But the, the journey was, I think I started like going on dating apps again in maybe like the May. And I remember thinking, well, this was quite safe because we can't even meet anybody. Mm-hmm. I'm not even allowed to see my own family. So mm-hmm. this is just kind of like just being able to test, I guess, like my ability to like weed, like see red flags, mm-hmm. like weed them out, like cut things off and not overthink it. So I sort of went into it with quite, with quite like a easy energy. And that was one of the, the rules that I'd made for myself because I'd been slightly addicted to dating mm-hmm. apps. I remember thinking you're only going on them when you're in good energy. Mm-hmm. As soon as you get a bit, you know, as soon as you get a bit thirsty, mm-hmm. it's time to come off them. Like it's not like, let's no, no thirsty swiping, mm-hmm. Sarah. Come on. We've been there. Like we've learned, we've learned better than that now. So, so I was like, okay, like, and I had some really good experiences that kind of really helped bolster my like belief in myself and make me made me feel empowered. There was one guy in particular who was really nice and we've been talking for like a couple of weeks. And then out of nowhere, he just turned into like a really like he sent me like the weirdest message, like basically being like, oh, you don't want to talk to me then. Like, and just got really weird. And I was like, what is going like? what and I was like so I sort of like tried to make light of it because I didn't know whether I just like misread it and he was like oh yeah no I see you're the sort of girl that plays those sort of games then okay like he was like really really odd and I and I was like and I like I kind of went to sort of like really like defend myself and whatever and I thought no this is bullshit no this this is this is absolute bullshit and I was, I was like check back in 
how did your like amazing relationship feels it feels like easy no mind games really clear communication this isn't mm-hmm. it okay fine and then was just like and now and I just messaged him I was like I'm, I'm really sorry like I don't want to talk, talk to you anymore like this isn't going to go anywhere I don't want to meet up with you and he put up a bit of a fight but it was kind of things like that where I was like no mm. no that's like that's that's fine and then another another guy who I'd um kind of had like inappropriate messages with I guess like kind of like he I mean he was single which he wasn't all like not all of them were sorry guys um I was that girl but like a guy that had like kind of came back on the scene we'd been we'd like sexed I think a bit or whatever and then he came back after he'd ghosted me and he was like oh you know how are you blah blah so I was like I don't really know that I want to talk to you and then he was like I'm really sorry I know I shouldn't have done that blah blah and he was like give me another chance and I remember thinking oh my God, I'm really nervous. Like, if I give you another chance, you do the same again. How am I going to feel? And I was like, just keep it in the day, Sarah. Just, just keep it in the day. Like, all you need to know, you, you can assess it message to message. We messaged a bit. He tried to make it really sexual again. I said, oh, I, I don't do that anymore. And then he just disappeared like a day later. And I remember being like, oh, well, that, okay. And I, I get to be like, well, that, that's fine then. He just proved himself and now I can move on with mm-hmm. my day, like in my life and I don't ever have to think mm-hmm. about you. Like it was really interesting to see me back myself yeah. and like, and, and and it really, I think the, the linchpin of it all is like coming back to like, oh, this is the relationship I want. I know that I deserve it and I've got so much faith that it'll happen. Okay, fine. That, so that gets to be a no. I don't need to worry about that. Like when I describe it to my clients, I'm like, you need to go into the dating particularly at the start like with this kind of like lightness like mm-hmm. it should feel like um like a beach ball mm-hmm. you know where it's just got no weight yeah. to it it's just so you can just like up and down up and down and as soon as you cling it's going to pop like you know you don't and you don't need to because it will just sort of be there mm-hmm. like and if it, if it isn't it it's not meant for you like it's okay mm-hmm. like you can trust you can just trust yourself like it's all right um but those first few times of doing it are really nerve-wracking because you're like am I going to be able to do it am I just going to fall back into the same patterns am I going to do this um and and there were definitely moments where I I remember going on like a night out and feeling very like thirsty and really like looking for attention and then really beating myself up about it and then just being like progress not perfection Sarah progress not perfection like just like check back in with yourself like how can you try to make sure you don't do it and and really regret is such a great signpost for like okay, like, don't ignore it. Don't, like, shower shame on yourself. Just be like, okay, like, I could have done better there, but I will do next time. And I have faith in myself that I will. And I'll just keep trying to show up for myself. So that was kind of, like, my journey to it. Before I met the Spaniard, I actually went on a date with, I went on three dates with a guy who was really lovely, like, loads of green flags, securely attached, and I didn't fancy him. And I, I remember going into a little bit of a tailspin and messaging my mate and being like, I'm going to have to tell Persia that I'm broken and that I don't actually still, I still don't fancy the nice ones. <laughs> I, was like, I was really worried. Um, and then, and you know, and I, like, if anyone's trying to work through this, just know that it takes, it's a mm-hmm. process. Like yeah. you're allowed to have days like that. And it's, it's just catching it and like being able to bring yourself back to, to the day in hand. And I was like, okay, like I'm just going to like, that's not how the universe works. That's not how I'm backed up. And I, uh, so we ended it and, and he actually agreed. He was like, I think we'll actually just be good friends, you know. I'm not sure that there's loads of like chemistry or anything. I was like, oh, I was like, oh, I felt so much relief. Three weeks later, matched with the Spaniard. Mm. And I was like, and it was just 
instantly, it was just really, I found it, the word I would use at the start was always, I found him so interesting. Like he was just so, there was just so much depth to him. Um, And like when we first started talking, like I remember kind of going back and forth and he was making me laugh kind of like quite quickly, which was always really nice. Went back to his pictures and I was like, God, he's got a lovely face. Like, like he's so fit. Then went back into the messages and we met on Tinder, by the way. So just like success story from a dating app. Uh, Probably one of the worst ones as well. Um, But went back into the messages and he he'd messaged me going, I've just looked at your pictures again and you've got a really lovely face. And I was like, I was like, I was literally just thinking that. And he was like, no, you weren't. I was like, yeah, I was. I was like, you're really handsome. And he was like, oh, he was like, girls never say that normally. I was like, well, it's just the truth. Like, and I, like I was quite easy with like my compliments and just wasn't trying to play a game. Um, and then we were talking for a couple of uh, a couple of weeks um, on the, I think we've been talking for maybe about a week on the app, and then our messages kind of kept missing each other. And we'd said we were going to meet up, and he, um, and then he hadn't messaged me. And it was his birthday coming up a few days after that, and I was like, I really want to send him like a birthday message, like just like nothing like major, just that. Hope you're having a nice day. And I was like, he might think I'm mental. And I was like, am I trying really hard? And I kind of had this little back and forth with myself. And I thought, do I like my reasons for it? I was like, yeah, I do. I was like, do I mind double texting? No, not really. If I never hear from him again, that's fine. I I made a promise with myself. I'm not going to double text again. Like I'm not going to like chase it if he's not interested. That's fine. But I thought to myself, if someone dates me, I really like people's birthdays. Like I really, like I'm a big spoiler. I spoil people. I make a big deal out of stuff. And it's just a text, but it really represents like who I am. Like I'm, am I expressing myself? And I was like, yeah, I am. So I messaged him like, oh, I was like, I hope you're, hope you're good. Hope you've had a nice birthday. Just didn't think like, well, I don't think I even asked him a question because I thought I don't want to force it if you don't want to talk to me. And he replied and he was like, oh, thank you so much. Like, yeah, it's been quite a normal day, whatever. And he was like, oh, you must think I'm awful because I missed your last message and we haven't met up. Shall we swap numbers um, so that we don't miss each other's message again? And I was like, yeah, okay, that sounds nice. And I just, I didn't try and like be like, like try and hold a grudge about anything or be weird about it. I was just like, yeah, he's got a life. Like, that's fine. Like, cool. And we swapped numbers. And from that point on, we've texted every day since. Like it was that straightforward. Met him on our first date. And I remember thinking, I'm really worried that I'm not going to like you. Like, because I find you so interesting and I, I'm really worried that like you're going to look like a gremlin mm-hmm. or something in real life. Do you know what I mean? Like I'm really, really concerned. Um, and we went for a lockdown walk at the park and then for a cup of tea and a cafe. Oh, I'm um, so proud you, and you I just remember were thinking, sober on that one. You had a tea first. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Had a tea. Um, and actually my relationship with alcohol really changed Um through lockdown anyway and when we met he didn't drink really so uh, loads of our dates to start with didn't involve alcohol um but yeah it was really like it was really nice just literally went for a tea and had a a tea cake Mm. Uh, (laughs) it's very sexy um and just like just yeah just remember like having a chat and being like you're just really just so lovely and so interesting and (laughs) so fit um but I yeah I, I just it was that it was always then just that straightforward. Mm. Like we saw each other 
We spoke every day. I'm not the sort of girl that's ever needed like a morning text, but I always like to hear from somebody. And funnily enough, I said to him, I was like, if I'd asked you for a morning text, would you would you have given me given them to me? And he was like, No. He was like, they're too prescriptive. He was like, they're just he was like, they're like, I'd rather that you trust that when I like I'm always thinking of you and when I've got some space in my day, I'll message you and that might be in the morning, it might be in the afternoon, it might be in the evening. And I was like, yeah, okay. Yeah. Like <laughs> just just remember being like you like when you really trust yourself. And I think so side note, he's I should never have actually met matched with him on Tinder either because he's nine years younger than me. I was not I did not have like, you know, that age range in my in my search. So I think that almost mm-hmm. helped when we first mm-hmm. started dating because I remember thinking, it's not really gonna mm-hmm. go anywhere. Like he's like he's nine years younger than me. Like he's not really gonna So I remember having like my standards were high, but my expectations were just yeah. nowhere. It was just all I just kept doing was like do I like him enough to to see him on yeah. the next date? Like, yeah. is it the ne- yeah, yeah, it's a yeah. It's like, yeah, it's a yes. Like, and, you know, for me, humor's really funny. Obviously, um, English being his second language, I was like, I've got quite a dry sense of humor, which in a second language, that might be mm-hmm. quite difficult to understand or like sort of like interact with. He's got a drier mm-hmm. sense of humor than I do. Like his, his grasp on English is just mental. So I was like, I was like, oh, you know, that that's like not a problem. But just always being able to, um, yeah, just just like take it a date at a time. And I, so, so often I remember going, like driving to his or him coming to me and, and being a bit nervous and being like, this will probably be the date where it just all falls apart. This will this will just be the one. He'll arrive and we just, we'll just, we'll just stop fancying each other. Like we just won't fancy each other. Uh, or like he'll say something that will make it like, well, obviously that's not going to work. Or obviously that's, you're moving back to Spain tomorrow or something. And, and yeah, here we are nearly three years later. Wow. Just that thing never arrived. And I'm just so proud that I didn't cut it off in the like, well, no, I don't want, I want someone mature. Mm. So well, he's more mature than I am. Yeah. So Such good, well, firstly, Joe's a few years younger than me. I'm, I'm all for a toy, but my mum's like six years older than my dad. Um, my brother-in-law's girlfriend's a lot older than him. I, I think that you have to take it on a case-by-case basis. Like, that, of course, 100%. you know, eight times out of ten, seven, whatever, a guy that much younger probably wouldn't work. But... I love the, what you said about just the beach ball. I love that image, keeping it light and, and you know, meeting up with him, getting to know him in a sober, healthy way. Actually, COVID, thank you for that because I think it really helped a lot of people because it, it forced people to slow down. Mm-hmm. And you just, you didn't obsess about the future. You just, as I always say, keep it in the date, you know, not don't worry and just yeah. see where it leads because let's be honest, Nine years, if it had been the other way around and he was nine years older than you, we wouldn't blink an eye. So you have to take it. Exactly. No, wouldn't exactly. Bat an no, blink an eye, what am I on about? Um, but yeah, you have to take it case by case and, you know, not go into it naively. Be aware, okay, he's nine years older, could hmm. be problematic, but then so could have a lot of other things. And you listen to your gut and it's just, exactly. I mean, honestly... I would say pretty much faultless the way like the, that, the whole way that you navigated that. And I love as well that it's a Tinder success story. You know, I, 
people are always asking me, are you really anti-dating apps? I'm like, no, I work with a dating app. Like I, I, I'm not for or against them. I think it's important to know it's not the only way you can meet people because people say it's the only way. I'm like, no, that's not true. It's just not true. Mm -hmm. A lot of my clients meet in real life. Don't cut yourself off there and kid yourself, like, you know, tell yourself it's the only way because, you you know, then you're not going to be open to other possibilities. But at the same time, it's the same as social media. It's like, I think it's the intention that you have around it. And you've got to be aware of your own relationship and dynamic with it. But it's absolutely possible. I've had a lot of yes. clients who've had um, amazing experiences and, and great relationships from dating apps and real life. So it's not one is better, one is worse. It's just, you know, and, and on that note, what would you say your top few tips around dating apps usage? Like, what would you, what did you learn? Yeah, so definitely the whole check in with your energy and why you're getting on one because leading up to me working with you one of the really bad habits that I'd got into was like convincing myself it was a numbers game not really being very clear on kind of oh I had Mm -hmm. no boundaries it was just like maybe they want to have sex with me yay maybe I can work some sort of magic to make them fall in love with me because they'll realize I'm really cool awesome uh terrible tactic guys um but I would use dating apps in a in a very unhealthy way and I would have like a really bad date for example or I'd I'd have quite high hopes for one and it would turn out just to have fallen flat and I'd be like oh and I remember getting feeling really low about it particularly on Sundays like Sundays were like my day where I was just like oh this feels awful and I remember like feeling lower than I would normally probably because it's like a slower mm-hmm. day so you've got more room for like your feelings to kind of like come mm-hmm. about and every now and again or, or actually it became more consistent where I would think I'm not sure this is ever so normal like maybe maybe I should like see a therapist or something like maybe maybe I should do that and I would always vow to myself I'm still feeling this bad tomorrow I will look into mm-hmm. seeing a therapist and then by the Sunday late afternoon early evening I'd be back on the apps swiping like a lunatic would have two or three guys that I could speak to convince myself that this might be the one and Mm. now I feel fine now I feel absolutely fine and it was that compounding effect so yeah when you when you're using it as a tool for distraction don't when you're using it when you're thirsty don't Mm. Uh, like there's a lot of reasons to like not download the Mm. app or get on it um when you should be getting on a meditation Mm. mat instead um and really checking in with yourself. Um, and that goes for kind of any um, anything that you do compulsively. Yeah. Like try and check in with it. Because after I, I stopped dating or talking to anybody when I was working with you, I remember che- checking in with you and being like, so I've got this real compulsive need to eat all the muffins mm. that I've just bought that I didn't need. And you were like, mm-hmm. And just, it was just like, okay, like let's not replace yeah. one kind of addiction with another. Let's like, let's get really like, like what void am I trying to fill with this? So just being really aware of that is really, really important. And then when you're actually on the apps, um, if someone is like throwing up, uh sex talk really quickly like just shut it down say that you're not open to it I would almost say that that's kind of just like a night like that's just kind of like straight away like a no-brainer like if you're looking for a serious committed relationship and that's the intention that you're going in with someone who's trying to get sexy with you in the Mm. first like two messages just Mm. don't bother like they're not you're not uh, you're not in the same place you're not after the same thing 
um, be really honest in your bio as well about what it is that you, you're you're looking for. Like, you know, looking like I'm X, Y, and Z and um, here for a, here to find my person, like my long-term partner. Like, and, and practice saying it over and over again without cringing mm-hmm. at yourself because there's something so powerful in like owning that desire um and kind of if it's coming up for you that you're feeling like desperate or like you're feeling like embarrassed just kind of like sink into it like you you can't you cannot manifest something into your life that you won't yeah. admit that you want like like the because it will dictate how you show up and you will entertain mm-hmm. our souls like um and yeah if if something feels someone feels interesting and fun but they don't fit like your norm of like what you thought it would look like just just go with it anyway like allow yourself to take it slowly and allow yourself to get on on the date see how it feels and if it doesn't feel like a roller coaster that's probably Mm -hmm. also a good thing like that's actually a sign of someone healthy which let's not let's you know let's not beat around the bush they're going to be some really healthy securely attached people that are mm-hmm. fucking boring like you don't have mm-hmm. to date them <laughs> like, not trying to convince you to date them like I said m- my partner is the most interesting person I know like he's like he's so intelligent he's like so interesting his interests are vast like I could literally talk to him all day like there has to be that energy but I think a lot of people know when they when they are and have ra- run away mm-hmm. from people that are healthy but they're trying to make excuses as to why it's not going to work so they can run Oh, yes. Mic drop on that. I I love that. That, There's so many good bits of advice there. So many. I hope you were all writing that down. So we're coming towards the end. I mean, I could talk to you forever, but I'm really interested to know what made you want to go a step further and actually become a coach? I'm really interested to hear that. So the reason I wanted to coach is I think I kind of had this calling of like I knew I needed to share what I'd, this kind of like epiphany that I'd had when me and my ex had broken up. And I was like, guys, yeah. it's a lie. <laughs> like, don't don't follow the tick box. Like, something's, something's we've mm-hmm. been led astray. <laughs> like, mm-hmm. it's a lie. Um, and this is why when people get all of these accolades, they still feel empty. It's because it wasn't your fucking like mm-hmm. goal anyway. Like it wasn't attached to anything. It was, you were just told mm-hmm. it'd make you happy. Like that, so that, that, that was already in me. And then there was a part of, as I did all the, the healing that I did around my own love life, I realized that the place that this came up for me the most was in my love life. And that was the thing that felt most mm-hmm. poignant to me and always had and my 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 desire and my wish is that there is when I look back at who I was and what I believed about myself and what I believed was possible for my love life it literally hurts my heart that there are women that will either just keep going around in toxic cycles and be with be in terrible and entertain terrible relationships or they will settle and be with somebody who they kind of just are told that that's who they're supposed mm. to fancy. So they'll and they don't want to be alone, so they'll just kind of go go along with it. Or they've resigned themselves to a life of being single and a life without romantic love, even though that's not actually mm. what they desire. It's because it's n- not for them. 
that there's something fundamentally wrong with them. And it's, I promise you, it's not true. Like, I promise you. Like, and that, that's, that's why I work in, in love and empowerment now, because the work that I do is about getting to the, the real grit of like, okay, who actually are you? Like, what's your authentic self? Like, let's bring her out. Let's drop all the parts of you that are there to keep you safe when that danger that it was therefore no longer is is present like you you know you can attract and build the life that you want and attract the person that you are supposed to be with by allowing and have being vulnerable enough to let like your true self like shine through and that can really be a process of like taking you know peeling away layers of that and then helping people to navigate the journey the way that I did so that you can look back and be and like be in absolute disbelief almost about what you've been able to achieve because you've committed to doing the really hard work and being able to watch women do that and support them through it and hold them when they just want to like put the you know put the lid back on the can of worms they want to close Pandora's box they want to turn the lights off they don't want the lights to be on anymore they don't want to see what they've been doing and how they've been responsible for it because that's probably like in my bio you'll see that unlucky in love is like in inverted commas and it's because it's a belief that you have not a truth it's not the truth it's the it's what you feel because of what you've experienced but what you've experienced has been co-signed by you Mm. so far and it doesn't have to be like that anymore. And you're the proof in the pudding, babe. You know, you really, the reason I love that you have become a coach and are doing this work is we need more people who are teaching it, I believe, from experience, particularly with love, because, you know, it shows that it's possible to go from being what both you and I were, which is, I think we'd both quite happily agree, we were a hot mess, hot mess. Um, yeah. Absolute shit, shit show. show. And it's not saying, you know, I'm always the first to say my relationship is not perfect. We have challenges. We, there, there are, you know, we go through seasons. But fuck me, do I know he has got my back? And like you said, it's, it's expansive. We grow, we evolve. It is one hell of an adventure. Um, you know, it's and and it's just it's it's seeing the poss. It's, it's a demonstration of the, the possibility for others. But like you know. Like, and I'm really upfront about this. It's like, I believe we are all worthy of love. But I also go, if you are experiencing your love life and it's a shit show and you're not willing to do the work, because let me tell you, it is fucking hard. But short-term pain, long-term gain. If you keep ignoring it, which is I did for a long time, it's like short-term gain, long-term pain. You know, it's like rip the plaster off, just do it because it's not going to get better without you doing some, taking some drastic action? I mean, what do you think would have happened if you just carried on? I, I mean, I dread to think, really. You know, I, I was so grateful, um, actually, about my age. when Before I signed up with you, I tried to get a visa to go to Canada, and I had missed the boat by about a year or so because I think it was like 30, 31 or something, whatever it was, I couldn't get to Canada. I couldn't escape my surroundings because I wanted to pretend mm-hmm. that it was Northampton. I wanted to pretend that it was where I was, mm-hmm. not who I was. And it it's I'm like I'm so grateful 
and proud of the girl who didn't really know what she was doing, but knew that she wanted better. Like, and the version of me would have carried on. I mean, I actually don't know. Like, I, I think, I think potentially, I think I'd learned enough that I wasn't going to go into a really, really toxic place before, but I probably would have tried to have found someone again who, where I was settling. Mm. I don't know. But I think, I think my soul's journey was always to, to get mm. to this point. I just do. Like, I think that I was put in various situations where I, I've had opportunities prior to working with you to, to go, that seems a bit weird or that reaction seems there's, you know, there's something more there. And I just would like brush it off. And I trust the timing of my life, you know? I trust that I, I got to the spaces that I was supposed to once I started following the little nudges and paying attention to pain and being like, this might be, this is trying to teach me, like, this is trying to teach me something, you know? And I think that if you're feeling that call in any way, reach out to someone that you resonate with, someone who has been where you are in a, in a manner and is where you would like to be and ask them, how the fuck yeah. have you done that? Because, and, and like you say, coaches that can teach it from a place of like, hey, guess what? Shit show, absolute car crash. I could give you tail after tail about how I didn't show up for myself. I was performative, like self-sabotaging, boundaryless like people pleasing and I would like to add as well like I hadn't like an anxious attachment style but I didn't suffer with anxiety so another way to think about it is that preoccupation I was preoccupied with men love dating mm-hmm. all of the time and those things don't like when that when like when your overarching feeling is that you are unlucky in love it will not fix yeah. itself it will not fix itself and it is I, I don't know that it is possible to do the deep work and get the real transformation without somebody there beside you. I don't, like when people are like, oh, you can do it through, you know, like reading and whatever. I don't think you can because the way I look at that is like, I've got a lot of people that come, come to me and they're like, oh, I'm anxiously attached and I've got, you know, a real deep father wound. And like, they can really um, like intellectualize their emotional mm-hmm. experience but they don't know how to yeah. feel their emotional experience and they don't know what to do instead. Like they've got the information, but they don't know what to do with it. It's like being able to recite the highway code back to front, but okay, well, let me put you in a car and see if you can fucking turn it on because yeah. you can't. Like, because you haven't got somebody beside you being like, this is how you do it. This is how you implement yes, what you know. it's implementation. Yeah, absolutely. And it's the accountability mm. and support you get. I love that. Okay, yeah. right. So this last bit I call the home straight questions and it's like lightning rounds. So think of that episode of Friends with like the, the guys and the girls. So <laughs> don't overthink it. Just the first thing that comes to your head. Question one. What love life advice would you give to your 15-year-old self? Uh, you're not disgusting. Um, it, like, genuinely, like, I was told I was disgusting by men, by boys and girls. So that was nice. Um, you're not disgusting. You absolutely can have a partner who loves you and it's okay to be all of your very contradicting, quirky self. You're not too much. You just need a man with big fucking hands. <laughs> Love that. I'm the rest. 
<laughs> love that. Love that answer. Okay. What's one thing people may be surprised to know about you? Oh, I cry all the time. Such I a can attest to that. <laughs> <laughs> Honestly, I think Persia was even t- taken aback at like how much I would just bawl my fucking eyes out. <laughs> um, but yeah, no, I uh, big big cry, very very emotionally um, yeah. unstable. <laughs> the Spaniard, the Spaniard would probably say. But yeah, like being, I think because I lead with kind of like humour and um, I can be quite like to the point. I think people think that makes me unempathetic or un- unemotional and it's entirely different. It's just, it's how I get people to pay attention, I guess. I, I, I appreciate having something pointed out to me kind of humorless, mm-hmm. in a humorous kind of way. Um, but yeah, I, I cry mm-hmm. a lot at the Spaniard and he just, just sort of holds me. He's like, you need eat today. I'm like, yes. Um, and he just gives me a big hug and, that, and, and, then, and then I move on with my day but yeah I like being and and kind of owning that like I would never Mm. have said that before like it would have been highly highly like not not the identity that I was uh, Mm. living in so yeah that's that's a that's a new thing that I'm very much like oh yeah before I ask my final question where can people find out more about your work and is there anything significant that you want them to mention we'll obviously pop any links into the show notes as well Yes. So uh, people can find me on Instagram um, and you'll sometimes see the Spaniard in there, but he's quite private. So not always. But um, if you scroll down, you'll see some pictures. He really is beautiful. Um, And then I am, uh, my handle is I am dot Sarah O'Connor. And I have a group coaching program. I'm not sure when this is coming out, but I will be running it again, but called Love Rewritten. Um, And it is the a three-month group experience where you can take your uh, supposed unlucky self and morph and transform into the leading lady who is able to uh, manifest your happily ever after um, because you have the power. You you are the author of your love story and you get to rewrite the whole thing. Um, so people can, can find me. Uh, and there'll probably be a waitlist open so you can perfect we'll pop the link love that I love also the author the writing love that love the analogies there okay so final question Sarah yeah. O'Connor what is your number one piece of advice for any single woman listening who is killing it in her career but is really struggling in her love life my piece of advice is that the thing that's made you successful at love is not uh, successful in business and work is not going to be the thing that makes you successful in your love life because they operate in different ways there are the ways that you operate in work which is being incredibly strategic probably being very logical being very like results driven the tenacity that you've had to get to where you are is probably going to need to be focused inwards on looking at taking ownership of the stuff that you don't want to look at and taking some responsibility for it. And also knowing that your vulnerability and your softness and your playfulness needs to be coupled with your ability to be the strong independent woman and hold your boundaries and hold your Mm. standards 
but they're a delicate little dance mm. and you have to mm-hmm. master it to be able to be successful yeah. in love. And it's practice like dancing, isn't it? you got to bloody well practice and that's, it's scary, but it's worth it. And you are living proof of that. You've been an amazing guest. Thank you so much for being vulnerable, um, for just, and for just showing up, you know, and yeah, being the example. It's really amazing for me to see how far you've come, the amazing work you're doing today. Uh, and God bless you and the Spaniard. Can't wait to, to see what's next for you, Sarah O'Connor. Thank you. And, you know, wouldn't have been, literally wouldn't be where I am without you. So, and your work. So I'm just, I'm pleased to be able to kind of jump on the the love coach train and help other people mm-hmm. do it as well. Because like you say, it's such important, it's such yeah. important work. Like it's so like, like you said to me before, there's, there's nothing more important yeah. than love. When it comes when it comes to it, like you've been to funerals and they talk about who they've yeah. loved, like who's who's been around them, like what they've shared. Yeah, so important. No one gives a shit about your achievements at your funeral. You never. We, they might mention them, but it's always about who you are and how much you loved, and you know, and it is. It's your family. It's your. Fr- it's it's that is what life is about, and we need to start living like that. Because we know that intellectually, mm-hmm. but we don't live like that in the West, in the Western culture, certainly. Yeah, exactly. So what a great, what a great yeah. point to end on. Thank you, my darling. Hope you guys enjoyed it. And that's a wrap. Thank you so much for tuning in. I really hope this episode served you and gave some practical insights and strategies around the next steps in transforming your love life from the inside out. Do come and let me know over on Instagram what resonated for you the most and why. I am at Persia Lawson. And if you want more tips and tools on how to become a vibrational match for the powerful, committed relationship that you deserve, check out my book, Love is Coming, as well as my programs and coaching containers over at persialawson.com. This website is also linked in this episode's show notes. And if you got value from this episode, I'd be so grateful if you'd like, subscribe, share, and or leave a quick review. This helps the podcast rank higher so it can reach other women who want or need the support. And to have your question answered, send it over to podcast at persialawson.com and we'll get to it ASAP. Until next time, I want you to remember that love is coming for you. But in the meantime, it's your responsibility to stop looking outside of yourself for the partner you want to get and start looking inside of yourself for the partner you want to be.